Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Today we have a really great guest with us. We have Active Duty Army Cam King with us today, also digital marketing specialist. So Cam, we are super pumped to talk to you today because A, we love all things military and B, digital marketing is what we're doing with all this stuff. So I'm um, super excited to have you here and and uh, hopefully learn learn some cool things from you. How you doing? Nice and, and cool and air conditioned here. How's, how's San Diego treating you guys? You guys are in San Diego, right? Yeah, we're in San Diego. Um, well, it's San Diego, so it's perfect pretty much all the time. All the time. <laughs> there you go. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Cam. So um, your story is a little bit different than than the average person who joins the military, right? So you yeah. know, like high school, boom, into the army. Um, so walk us through your story a little. 18 years old, I was like dead set on going into the military. Uh, went on a backpacking trip after high school to Europe and was like, all right, I'm going to come back and go be a Navy SEAL. Like I was dead set on doing that because that was all the rage back in the day. Um, and my parents talked me to going to school, going to college. So I went, finished school at Keene State in New Hampshire, ended up moving to San Diego right after I graduated uh, to go be a SEAL. I wanted to be an officer still. So I was working at Skydive San Diego, living in Claremont, waiting tables. I was working as a parachute rigger at Skydive San Diego. Working out with SEALs was like so gung-ho on getting enlisted. And my buddy Dylan called me one random day and invited me to go move to Europe and like become a tour guide because he had an opening at the company he worked for. So I said, what the hell? I can always join the military later. And I went and I was like, all right, I'll do this for six months. Moved to Florence, Italy on a whim, like within a week, sold all my stuff, car, broke up with the girl I was seeing at the time and just totally 180, like life change. <laughs> Ended up staying for two years, right? Had the time of my life living in Florence and Rome and just taking students all around. And ended up meeting a girl. We ended up dating, moving back to Boston, where I'm originally from, and got involved in advertising. So I worked in advertising for like the past decade. And so I worked in new business, pitching deals, working with big companies like Louis Vuitton, Aveda, Xbox, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon at some point. I pitched a ton of really cool companies and was like really just doing well in my career. And we ended up moving to Colorado uh, just because Boston is so small that it's like everyone gets married, has kids, works themselves to death, roots for the Red Sox, lives and breathes the Patriots all four seasons. And so we moved to Colorado to get a, a breath of fresh air and that relationship didn't work out. I was working with a new agency out of Chicago and Denver was cool for a year, but I was just ready for something else. And this is right before COVID now at this point. So I ended up getting picked up by an agency, an event agency up in Portland, Oregon, moved up there for a great job at a 600 person global agency. And that was like really the number one agency in my career echelon, right? Right. That was like top of the premier industry. And I was just loving life. I was having a great time. And then boom, kind of COVID hit. And I was like assured my job wouldn't get laid off. And then COVID got worse the next month. And then I eventually got laid off. So now after having moved from all over the country, really all over the world and back again, I was like, okay, I don't want to stay in the Pacific Northwest um, without any friends, family or job. So I moved back to Colorado opened my own agency, a new business consultancy that I still do on the side. Um, and one of my best friends also got laid off at the time. 
And he was like, dude, we never joined the, you know, the army. This is a special time. Like, let's, we're too old to be SEALs now. He's like, let's go be Green Berets. So we looked into it and I said, okay, I'll look into it. Like, I'll file the paperwork. I'll go take the test. I'll go do the physicals, all that. And everything just worked out. Like, it, it was crazy when the universe kind of all falls into place for you. And it just all happened so quick that I was just like, all right, fuck it, let's go. And so I enlisted and left in January, 2021 and six months of basic training, airborne school, and now being here at Fort Bragg, getting ready for selection and the prep course. It's been a whirlwind of a year. And I, I still can't believe to the day that I'm here doing this, but looking back, I wouldn't change a thing, honestly. Um, yeah. And you heading into, um, into special forces, how, how does that track really work? I mean, you walk into the recruiter's office and say, hey, look, I'm willing to join if I can get here. And do they just line you up with everything? Because I've heard other stories in recruiting offices like, yeah, 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 you can do whatever you want in the military. And then you end up, you know, washing dishes or something, you know? Yeah, you definitely have to go to a recruiter knowing what you want to do. So there's a lot of due diligence that's required on if you're enlisting or even commissioning as an officer. Even with the college degree, I decided to go enlisted because it was a, a faster route, right? So I did all of my homework, an extensive amount of homework. I mean, working in the professional world, you know to just do your own research before you make any sort of conscious decision. So I think a lot of the younger guys, whether you're 18, 21, 24, or in your 30s, because I joined when I was 30 years old, um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Just do your research about what you want to do. I know that the male body doesn't really begin to deteriorate until after age 36. Age 36 is like the male peak performance mentally and physically for a man if he takes care of himself. So I looked at that. Um, I looked at my special forces contract, which is called an 18X. So 18X is basically the, the MOS. It guarantees you a special forces contract as long as you continue to meet the, the requirements throughout basic and infantry training. Um, and a lot of people get fucked over because they don't know what they're looking for. And so recruiters just want to get people in so they can get their bonuses and they can fill their quotas and then they can move on in their own careers, which is unfortunate. I had a great recruiter that really took care of me, but I also knew what I wanted as an older guy. So it was, it was easy. And there was really no surprises for me along the way. Um, recruiters don't know everything. So the more research you can go in with, or if you know someone, or if you have a friend in the military, or if you want to reach out to someone in the military, um, we're always willing to talk about it. Reddit is a great place for information too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a good resource. You're in the middle of it right now. And um, now you're still doing some marketing and stuff on the side, I presume. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I, I missed from kind of being away from everything for six to eight months at, at basic training, airborne and infantry school was just, uh, I really missed being in business, like connecting with other people, helping them grow and being in new business previously for agencies. I've worked for small, medium and large agencies in Boston, Chicago, Portland and Denver. And working with agencies and doing new business, you're not just selling something. You're, you're not working at a tech sales company, but you're connecting with people in a very authentic and genuine way so that you can offer something to them in the future. And if you can help them meet somebody else or help them do whatever, just be a, a resource and nexus for information. I really, really miss that. And so when I opened my own agency, my own agency was based upon new business sales and growth and really helping business owners, clients, entrepreneurs strategize about how to kind of unfuck themselves. Um, 
And a lot of people, a lot of people that run their own businesses, have their own brands, work as CMOs, marketing directors, brand managers, they all get in their way, right? And they can follow marketing with all of these things that they don't need to be doing. And I look at the whole picture from like a personal perspective, what are your habits at home? How do you live your life? To how that's relating professionally. Are you succeeding? Are you growing? Are you stagnant? And that's really where I work with people now. And so when I kind of re revitalize that once I have more time, it's been it's been pretty amazing. Um, and I've helped a lot of people so far. So I really enjoy that. That's really cool. Um, <clears throat> you talk about like people having other positions kind of that get in the way of the whole marketing thing. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about like the, what's what's something that's kind of common. You look at a company who, you know, is, you know, looking to bring you on to consult with them. You know, yeah. what's what's a common thing that you usually run into? Yeah, uh, a big one is definitely owners egos like the the ego of people who own their own businesses can get really out of control. Um, there's one person in mind. I work with an agency in Denver. And this agency has done great work, but because the owner wanted to micromanage everything out of his, his own insatiable ego, he was stepping on his other employees, uh, hands and feet, and he didn't want to be told that he was doing that. And so I think when you run a brand or a company or an agency or whatever, you just, you have to be willing to put aside your ego, right? I did that when I joined the military at 30 years old. Like, I don't want to go get yelled at by a drill sergeant who's 23 years old or 25 years old. Right. But like I had to swallow my own ego. And when you run your own business, you have to be aware of how much the ego can take over and when it does. Um, and that's something unfortunate that I see, I see a lot of, right. Or, yeah. and then the converse, it's the limiting belief that people have about their businesses and them not being able to be successful or them feeling worthy, right? I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs who are starting something whose self-confidence has just been diminished because they're not seeing the success or they're putting in too many hours or they're not Elon Musk yet. And it's like, you kind of have to talk them through it. They're like, Hey, you don't need to work 90 hour weeks right now. Okay. You don't need to throw yourself to the wolves week in and week out and burn yourself out because you're not bringing a refreshed version of yourself to the table every week. And I hate to overplay the, the work-life balance thing, but that's also something that I see a lot of um, in people. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's, it's true. You know, as you know, running my own business, I'm, I'm professionally coached. And, and one of the things I love about the coaching program that I'm with is they really stress that work-life balance a lot, you know, and there, there are other coaching programs out there for all different sorts of professions and, you know, largely a lot of them just kind of talk about the work side. And so yeah. it creates like these super workers, right? And now you're working 80, 90 hours a week and maybe you're just killing it, but you're working 80, 90 hours a week, right? So like you back to what you said, you're not the refreshed version of yourself week in and week out. And you know, that has other undertones that can affect things for you for sure. Totally. Um, so yeah, being able to have that balance is, is really, really crucial. You can't, you can't just do it all, all the time. You know, no, no, absolutely not. And I, man, I fucking, excuse me, I'm swearing a lot. I'm from Boston, but <laughs> I, I do kind of, um, I, I hate the word coach. Like I don't consider myself a coach or, or a consultant. Like I, I don't, I haven't found the right word for that yet. And my clients say, no, 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 you are like, you're, you're my business coach, whatever. And I go, okay. Um, but instead of just focusing like on the work-life balance, because I've, I've noticed a lot of people are not optimal with their time. 
especially their time off, right? People will scroll through Instagram or they go shopping. They're not really taking the conscious time to refill their cup back up. So the one thing that I do to, to sort of open up that work-life balance is I'll assign different challenges to, uh, to my clients like week in, week out. Like some of them at different times, I'll have them go and lie in the middle of a road, like on the yellow line and just look up at the sky for 30 seconds, right? Like in the middle of a street, even if it's a busy street or not, or I'll have them put their feet into an ice bucket for 10 minutes and then write down how they, how they think or take cold showers or I ha I'll have them go get a deep tissue massage. Like I'll assign these things as like homework. So that's opening their awareness, right? If, they've if they're kind of an introvert, I'll say, cool, you're going to a hot yoga class and you're going to go sweat a bunch in front of strangers. Like whatever they're kind of struggling in, I'll push them more in that direction, which tends to open up their, their work-life balance and just their mental awareness. So now they have a new experience under their belt that they can bring to the table and bring that sort of new creativity back to their work, which I find really helps too. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. <clears throat> really gives you some different perspective. Um, and I was just kind of thinking about like, my, my home balance and, you know, what am I doing in my spare time? I mean, with, with young kids, it's, it's consumed with young kid activities usually. Um, but yeah, when, when we actually have nothing going on, I was just thinking about it. We're not really doing anything, you know, uh, which right. sometimes that's okay, you know? Um, totally. but yeah, I think having a little bit of a plan with, with your downtime is pretty cool. That's really cool. Right. Not everything needs to go on Google Calendar, but having nothing box time is just as important as doing other important stuff too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're you're going through training right now, and I know um, we've got you know a hot topic in the news, which is this Afghanistan withdrawal, right? Um, yeah. And with whatever liberty you're able to talk about uh, what you're hearing and seeing um, on your side of the coin. Um, how is that impacting, you know, your training right now? Is it, is it part of what you're being taught or discussed or anything like that? Right. Um, we, we see a lot of news right now. We're not getting a lot of news other than what we sort of talked about internally. And we're not actually allowed to speak poorly about the commander in chief or the governing bodies of, of the military, um, being in active duty. But I think number one, it's a shame, right? Um, what's going on over there is, is just sad on all levels, seeing those images and videos of people hanging out to planes. It's, it's the last thing you want to see after us spending two decades there. Um, the amount of equipment that was left there, whether that was for the Afghan army or an oversight, uh, is very sad and challenging, I think, to a lot of taxpayers who go, what are we, what are we paying the military for, right? Like, where's our money going? I think a lot of people saw a poor management of that i think people were very surprised that we just had no sort of pullout plan for especially for the people that work with us yeah. whether they opted to stay in the country and thinking it would be safe or whether you know we just completely um missed the the liberty of extending them an olive branch to come to this country i think that was very sad too you know now we have what six days to get as many people out as we can. And we got 19,000 people out yesterday. And um, the CIA director is meeting with the, the Taliban and no one knows what that's about. So I think it's, it's a very precarious situation. And I can't say that I'm surprised how it turned out. It just, it definitely breaks my heart. And I know it angers a lot of veterans in this country 
seeing yeah. that because people lost their lives over there. And, you know, if you, you haven't heard the facts and figures, we haven't lost any service members apparently over in Afghanistan in the last 18 months. And we've lost, I, I believe a few thousand soldiers in those 20 years in the Afghan national army. I believe those killed in action were around 75,000. Wow. So <clears throat> the numbers are pretty uh, disparaging, but the Afghan national army is just non-existent right now. And you have a land that's existed for thousands of years and has held, you know, amazing resources. But the last person who conquered that actual area on, on planet earth was Alexander the Great. So no, no wars, no battles, no country has ever been able to obtain and hold uh, that area of Afghanistan for whatever reason. And I personally, I personally think that the reason that we're over there was to sort of um, keep China and Russia away from mining a lot of natural resources that exist in that area of the world. Right. And not much is really being spoken about that in the news or even third party news. So um, I can't really speak on too much more of that, but I know guys from 82nd who are, who are down the road are over in Afghanistan helping out. And I know a lot of different countries, France, uh, Britain, Germany, the Australians are over there too, I believe. There's a lot of great people helping out. So, uh, you know, kudos to those guys and their families. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the mining part isn't spoken about very much. And I know that you know, Afghanistan has some, some pretty rich uh, mines for uh, lithium, um, which, yeah. which we use lithium in so much electronically, right? Um, but especially in electric cars and mm-hmm. batteries and um satellites so satellites i mean there's you know batteries for toys and you know your cell phone and you know all that stuff i mean lithium is is so widely used nowadays um and is a great material um but yeah the mining of that stuff um it now opens up the door you know you look at you know the us embassy in in afghanistan is is empty now and gone um but the chinese embassy is fully functioning and no one's no one's messing with them um who also are acquiring the bulk of the lithium mines across the world you know so there's there's an opportunity for definitely some some skepticism on some of the decisions which neither you you nor I can control um but it's it's a it's a bad situation all, all the way around um to say the least um and my my fear, and especially for you know a guy like you who's you know gearing up to to go through all this amazing training and um, come out on the other side as a, as a special operator. Um, <clears throat> my fear is that you're going to be back in we as a country are going to be back in that region at some point um, fighting to help an ally or something, but probably with a lot less of our other allies behind us. You know, probably not going to have Britain. In Australia and France and some of these other countries who who did come to uh, to help us in Afghanistan purely because we asked really um, yeah. and um, and now we kind of left them hanging yeah it's I hate to, to jump on the bandwagon but you know the US is kind of sitting with an egg on their face because we we buffed that situation and not that not that I believe America needs to be the world police but we've been mostly on the right side of history throughout a lot of our, our situations and engagements. And this one is not, history is not going to treat this one very kindly. Right. So um, that's, that's really unfortunate. So I do think we'll, we'll be back there. We have, 
you know, heard rumblings about our, our first experiences are most likely going to be over there because we all get rotated over there. Um, so that won't come as a surprise at that point, but this time next summer, I wouldn't be surprised if we were also in Afghanistan still. Yeah. Or, or some other country in the region. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That area of the world is, is pretty precarious between, you know, Pakistan is always doing, you know, kind of sneaky stuff. And the Middle East is, is a wonderful place. I mean, I've met a plethora of people who are absolutely incredible individuals from over there, highly, highly intelligent and kind human beings. Um, but there's, there's bad apples everywhere. And, you know, I think right now with some of the religious ideology that's been pushed over the past, you know, 20 or 30 years, it's, it's obviously very extreme and scares a lot of people in, the, in these states. But I just, I hate when this stuff is sort of being used as a political tool yeah. or a, a tool for divisiveness when everyone in our country should be getting more on the same page instead of farther and farther apart. So that's, that's really where, uh, where I'm getting. It's, it's tough to talk about war or global situations without someone getting polarized and upset about something. So yeah, it's just, it's the nature of the beast these days, man. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, all we can do is just pray for the people there. Um, you know, that are trying to get out that legitimately should get out. We just pray that they can, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's not going to be an easy road. And especially with this looming deadline, it's going to be, be hard, be right. really hard. Um, yeah. well, um, so you're, you're in, you're in right now, you're, you're headed to training. You're going to be in service next year this time. Um, and, uh, what, what kind of, a what kind of a contractual commitment do you have to make um, for someone who wants to go down that same path that you're headed down? Is it like a six-year commitment initially, or what does that look like? Yeah, so they're always hurting for guys um, in SF, and the pathway for the enlisted is the 18X pathway. You can Google that and learn everything about it, um, especially for the Army. But essentially, your 18X contract guarantees that you become an 11 Bravo, which is just an infantryman. Right. And there's a number of infantry units all around the country, but you go to basic for 10 weeks and then you go to OSA or which is one station unit training or um, and that's really where you become an infantryman. So that school is 12 weeks right after basic training, you just roll into it right at the same right at the same compound. And then you go to airborne school after that. So it's basically 22 to 25 weeks. Airborne is just three weeks. Um, and then you become an airborne infantryman and then you ship out to Fort Bragg and you get stationed here at the, the John, the JFK Special Warfare Center in school. Um, and so that's where I'm at these days. And it's a great compound. There's about a thousand other dudes that are super highly motivated. We work out, we eat every day. We do various bits of training and then you start the prep course, which is a four to five week program about running, rucking, foot care, land navigation, and then you go to selection, which is another three-week process where they select you for special forces, right? So you need to meet minimum standards, minimum run times, ruck times, land navigation times, and then you go through a team week. Um, and then if you meet all those requirements, don't get hurt, don't get injured, don't quit, you get selected and continue going into what's called the Q course or the special forces qualification course. So ultimately you can pick a, a series of four different pathways between the 18X, you can choose between being a Bravo, Charlie, Delta, or Echo. Bravo is a gun sergeant. Charlie is a communication sergeant. 
Um, Delta is the med sergeant and then Echo is um, satellites and, and all that stuff. Excuse me, Charlie is blowing stuff up. So it's more construction. Uh, and then Echo is satellite communication, laptop, notebook. Um, and so you choose from one of those four MOSs and then you go into things like SEER school, you go into a bunch of other things as well. And that whole thing is about six to nine months, six to 12 months. If you're the Delta, it's another nine to 12 months of school. So, Hey, Cam, I just want to say thanks for uh, being on the show today. Best of luck to you in your training um, and going through selection. Man, we're pulling for you. We hope you make it out and uh, get into special forces in the Army. Uh, thanks again so much, and uh, God bless. Good luck to you. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoneguy.us.